Now, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, Certified Practicing Accountant and Financial Advisor. Stephen Pritchard, today we're going to look at, uh, look ahead in fact, aren't we? We're going to look ahead to the new year. And we're going to think about things we need to think about for the new year. We're going to try to think about things we need to think about. That's always a good thing to do. That's what we're planning to do. We'll have a look at the market, our market update, and, uh, of course, check out what's happening with currencies and commodities and perhaps think about uh, maybe a Christmas stocking as far as the world of finance goes. What's happening market-wise? It's not long before Christmas. Oh, so lots of, there's lots of the Christmas colour around on the markets. Uh, the pretty red one, not the pretty uh, black one. No, the Christmas <laughs> colours are red and green, aren't they? Red, they red are, and white? Yeah, yeah, not black. Not black for Christmas. Not black, okay. Well, uh, Black for... But yeah, lots of red around the markets. Um, the the gold price was uh, was. I'm going to say that we start with something that's actually up. Uh, the gold <laughs> price was uh, up twenty one dollars and four cents on the week to seventeen hundred and forty six dollars sixty seven Australian dollar. So so that's okay. Good. Uh, the copper price was down two hundred and forty dollars a ton to eight thousand two hundred and seventy one dollars, and the nickel price was up a hundred and one dollars a ton to fourteen thousand nine hundred and sixty one dollars. And a bit of good news in the red, I suppose. The crude oil price was down three dollars seventy one a barrel to seventy nine dollars and seventy one cents. So since the beginning of November, it's it's fallen, you know, almost twelve dollars a barrel. So that that's going to be good for fuel prices going forward. Um, the US dollar, we're, we're down against all the major currencies, lots of red ink there. Uh, the US dollar was down, we're almost down, a, we're actually down over a cent over the week, uh, to 71.09 US cents. Oh, that is a bit of a drop. Mm, yeah. Well, they seem to think they're doing quite well economically. Do you think that makes a difference? Oh, what does? If the US dollar's doing quite well, effectively, if we're down against that, that comes from one or two reasons, the US dollar's actually rising against all the other currencies, or the Australian dollar's falling. So if the US is doing well, the currency's going up, and if we're not going up at the same rate, the exchange then rate. Yeah. We go red. Yeah. Yes, we go red. Um, and against the Great British Pound, we were 56.38 cents. So we're down against that. So it looks like the A dollar's falling across the board, to be honest. And against the New Zealand, even against the New Zealand dollar, we were down to $1.05. And against the euro, we were down, uh, a cent against the euro to 62.49 euro cents. So it seems to indicate that Australian dollar's falling around the world and and not the other currencies going up so much. So this is an indication we should be staying at home over Christmas. <laughs> well, unless you booked your tickets, they've already just gone up 1%. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yep. Um, and as I said before, when you're doing exchange rates can make a big difference and, mm. you know, people advertise no commissions and no fees. What you need to do is go along to one of the streets, Hamilton, for example, where all the major banks are. You go into the bank and say, I've got 10,000 US dollars or 10,000 Australian dollars, how many US dollars you will actually get. Don't worry about the commissions and the exchange rate. Just forget all that marketing stuff. What you need to know is how many dollars you end up in your pocket. Right? That's exactly so, so what you you'll take 10,000 Australian dollars in, tell them you want to convert it to US dollars or whatever you want, and then go along to a couple of large banks. And there's a big difference in Barrow Street. I mean, there's a 20%, one of the major banks is there's a 20% difference from all the others. Oh, wow. Yeah, so go along the street and just mm. ask and get to the one that gives you the most US dollars or the Fiji dollar. Well, Fiji is probably a bit difficult to claim, but euros or whatever. Yep. Go along to the major banks, the major currencies, and just do a bit of shopping. And yes. go, to, go to somewhere all the 
the, all the at least the big four are there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's yeah. worth uh, using it's a bit of shoe. There's a big difference on exchange rates. Okay. A big difference. Okay. Um, the old ordinaries. That's a Christmas saving tip on exchange rates. Uh, the old ordinaries um, was down again for the week, down 85 points to 5,649. The S&P 500 was down 143.6 points to 2,506. Uh, the UK FTSE was down 111 points to 6,765. And and the Hang Seng Index, which is, of course, the Hong Kong Index, was down 659 to 25,865. So anyone who's got equity investments is feeling a bit poorer this week. Mm, um, okay. Um, and how about some of the stocks that are facing? Some of the locally? stocks are a bit of a mixed bag. Um, BHP was up actually up on the week uh, by 68 cents to $33.49. Now, BHP finished the buyback this week, so they've finished their buyback. They've announced that everyone's supposed to have their money by the 24th. Um, and, of course, you need to think about the special dividend coming up, which we'll talk about a bit later. So it's probably the combination of the buyback um, and the special dividend coming up. And people who've sold, uh, a number of them are buying the BHP shoes back, so they get the special dividend. Um, and that's probably the reason BHP is actually quite firm compared to the rest of the market. Um, CBA was down 78 cents on the week, down below $70 again, down to $69.40. Uh, NIB was steady at $4.79, the same as it was the previous week. Uh, poor old Tesla was down $0.05, cents, so he's continuing to drift below the $5 mark to $2.88. Mm -hmm. um, and that's basically it for the local stocks. Um, the petrol prices didn't quite update this week, so... Oh, so petrol... Some technology <laughs> issue. But I did hear on the news that it's approaching a 15-year low in... 15-month low in petrol prices at the Bowser. Not 15-year, 15-month low. And the prices are expected to remain low for Christmas. And uh, taking a look at the market, market updates, Stephen Pritchard... Uh, NAB shareholders, well, NAB's been in the news just a little bit over the last few days. Well, I think the, the, the two things, the two major things in the banking sector this week was um, NAB and ANZ had their AGMs yesterday. Um, both on the same day? Both on the same oh. day in different cities. Um, and, and they're both Melbourne-based banks, interesting. So NAB had it in Melbourne, ANZ had it. Perth or Adelaide or somewhere. Anyhow, so the, the, the NAB shareholders were extremely unhappy. Um, when the vote came, apparently the meeting went for over five hours. Uh, when the vote came up for remuneration report, 81.1% of the shareholders voted against the remuneration report. Um, this so presumably they thought that the uh, remuneration for the executives and the top people were well, all uh, oh, the directors. Oh, was, 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 was the... Extremely excessive. Extremely yeah, extremely excessive. excessive. Now, the interesting thing about this is when you get votes of that that large, yeah. you, it's not just the retail shareholders, the so-called mum and dads who people are voting against the remuneration report. You're getting institutional investors now voting against the remuneration report. And it was very embarrassing for the chairman and uh, the rest of the board and and said that they're going to do better, they understand that shareholders are upset, but of course they never hand back any of their bonuses or director's fees. And as a matter of fact, the, the directors, they, they paid the staff bonuses. They did not cut back on the bonuses. And, you know, one of the shareholders asked, well, why are we paying a $2 million bonus with the performance of the company and it's destroyed billions of dollars over the last 10 years? And, of course, the chairman couldn't actually answer the question. So I think, um, I think you're going to see... Um, 
more upset shareholders and I think you're going to have to see board changes and the CEO has now decided that he has to go on a period of extended leave after the AGM because he's too stressed. Gardening leave. <laughs> no, sort gardening, gardening leave is when you're on the way out. So we don't know that he's on his way out. He, apparently he's on leave till the 1st of February. And then he's going to come back for the handing down of the Hain Royal Commission report. And after that, he's going on another month. Another month. Now, I would have thought the chairman would have insisted that he be there to analyse the outcome of the Hain and put in place a, 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 a strategy to address any issues that were raised. But he appears he's, the chairman's approved him going on leave for another month. Um, so that's that's interesting. Mm. Yes, it is. Uh, what, what happened at the ANZ? Well, not quite, not quite as bad. Apologies from David Gonski about all the things the bank had done wrong, and they're they're going to do better. And of course, you know, there was no talk of Mike Smith repaying the multi-million dollars or tens of millions of bonuses that he was paid and undoing all his strategies. Um, they don't seem to have addressed any of that. And the shareholders once again voted down their remuneration report uh, by 34%. So once you get a, a negative vote of 25%, uh, th- what that means in the following years, if you get another 25%, the whole board comes up for re-election, mm. which will be interesting and it would be extremely embarrassing for a company like the NAB, ANZ or Westpac, who got 66% uh, and CBA, um, to all their boards to come up for re-election. Oh, wouldn't it be? Yeah, and all this has really been brought to the surface. Oh, it's the been... I mean, there's Royal a combination of things. The, the Royal Commission and the CBA's point, the scandals were erupting prior to the Royal Commission, mm-hmm. um, and, and ANZ and NAB and, and people. The ordinary shareholders are sitting there. They see the share price going down. They see the bank executives, um, you know, getting paid more and more and more money. And then they see these people on the television that, that, that the Royal Commission are aware of, how the banks, you know, done all sorts of nasty things to them. And it's not, not surprising that they're getting these results. So they put out a remuneration report and they put it up for the vote, but... But voted down. And, and 34% and... So and does that mean it doesn't happen? Well, it's already happened. It's already, it's already happened. happened. It's just an advisory vote, really. So, yeah. And yeah. so then we need to wait until the Well, they've got a... Comp- yeah, secondary and see what happens. Okay. And, um, yeah, BHP. Mm-hmm. Um, BHP's um, on the 17th, they announced their buyback, uh, buyback, uh, buyback numbers. So anyone who tended in... Um, got a quite a good price when you're taking into account the franking credits um depending on your tax position it's up to 37 38 dollars a share effectively um so anyone who tended into that and and then the next strategy of course is uh you get the money on the 24th um what you might like to consider is you've got a dollar and two u.s dividend special dividend coming up and you've got an opportunity to buy those shares back and obtain the benefit of the special dividend dollar it's a dollar to US, which is probably about a dollar thirty Australian. Um, that's paid in January, so you need to look at the X date if you want to buy those shares back, and it's coming up soon. So there is a period where you get the money on the twenty fourth, and you have got time in the following week, or if you've got even got spare money now, to buy the shares back that you sold and take advantage of the special dividend. Which Whoa, is, that sounds interesting, doesn't it? So, uh, <laughs> so you sold the shares, yeah. you got a very good price. Yes. Depending on the tax position you're in. Yeah. And now you can buy um, buy other shares back and take advantage of the special dividend. I mean, we're, we're doing that for a number of clients. And uh, Grain Corp is... Yeah, yeah Grain Corp's subject to, uh, which you're not quite sure, one or two takeover offers. 
seems to change from day to day. Um, the, the, the chairman of Grain Corp, Graham Bradley, has come out with the usual defence in the last couple of days that the it significantly undervalues the the value of the company and shareholders shouldn't accept. Um, um, but you know, time will tell. Um, the, the company is going to, at some stage, prepare a, a bidder statement and send it out to shareholders, um, and we can make the decision then. I mean, because the interesting about Grain Corp is the farmers are now complaining. The very same farmers, of course, who sold Grain Corp are complaining that if someone wants to take it over, it, it might lead to higher prices payable by the farmers. I mean, you know, really, I mean, the farmers own these things and they sell it the same as the milk processing companies. Then they complain mm. if they want to keep the prices low, keep running these things as a cooperative. That's the answer. I suppose they really want the prices up, don't they? <laughs> well, they want the share prices up when they're selling it. Oh, the share prices, yeah, absolutely. They want the share yeah. prices up when they're selling it. But well, they want, well, after they've sold it, they want, the sh- they want the company to charge less so the share price goes down. Okay, mm. all right. <laughs> now, um, environmental concerns. We've had reports that climate change is real come out from the Bureau of Meteorology. And, have we? Uh, ele- yeah, we have. And ele- electricity um, is going to be more regulated over the next um, few years. Have we heard that before? I haven't heard that. Or AGL, though. What about uh, them? Well, AGL's, um, AGL's proceeding to... With the new... Uh, sorry. The, the new... The acting CEO, who was the deputy CEO before he became the acting CEO, has now been confirmed as the new CEO of AGL, and he's uh, confirmed the plans to close down, continue with the plan to close down the coal-fired power stations, um, the first one being Liddell, which will invariably lead to higher electricity prices. It will, will it? Of course it will. Because whatever replaces it has to be established. Well, <laughs> it's a basic case of a supply and demand. I mean, we've got okay. we've basically got a couple of suppliers. Mm-hmm. We've got three major retailers, and if you start chopping off the supply, basic economics says if the demand's there, the price will go up. Okay. And you've already seen that. You know, you've withdrawn the other power stations, and the price will go up. You take Liddell out, the price will go up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and nothing's going to be there to replace it. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're talking about um, they're going to have these special contracts for industry who can opt out. And you know, the fact of the matter remains that in Iowa, fifty percent of the electricity is coming from renewables, and 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 the price is one third we're paying here in New South Wales. Now. The fact is the regulators have failed to do their job. They should be regulating that. The prime objective for the regulators should be to make sure the price we're paying for energy is benchmarked with the rest of the world and we've got a reliable supply. I don't know what their prime regulatory function is, but it's obviously not that. Mm. And then, of course, we've had this week, we've also come out, ACCC after the US report last week we spoke about, the ACCC has warned that the gas supply on the east coast of Australia is uncertain and high prices are forcing industries to shift their operations elsewhere. Well, that's pretty conclusive, yeah. isn't that's it? That's right. Basically? And it gets back to the report from the US data that the gas prices in Australia are three times the prices they are in the US. Mm. And, you know, we, we're shipping gas out of the export terminals cheaper than, we're se- cheaper than we're selling it domestically. And once again, what are the regulators doing and what are their objectives? I mean, how can it be that gas can be shipped overseas... That has to be basically compressed and frozen, solidified and, and processed and put in containers and shipped overseas 
and it's cheaper to bring, for us to be on the other side importing gas from overseas than it is running down the pipeline. It just doesn't sense. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So now the ACCC is looking at it. We might actually get some action there, but, you know, oh. you know you're going to have to ask the politicians, what are they doing? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we've got uh, slightly uncertain conditions around gas and around electricity. Oh, so uncertain conditions. Like Incitex already moved their, their fertiliser plant in the US, and the prime objective was that was the gas price. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Seems a bit cheaper there. Yeah, and Caltex, Caltex shares fell to a four-year low. They announced a profit downgrade of um, 16.4% expected for the year. Um, they blame falling petrol prices and margins. And I don't think that scandal they had earlier in the year with them. Their franchisees underpaying the wages has done them much good either. Okay, so anyhow, so not a good year for them. Not a good year for them. So I think let's, that's yes. Let's hope everybody's having a much better year. Well, Barry well, was here earlier, but I don't know where he's gone. Barry Preston, indeed. Yes. We yeah. will find him a little later on. Hello, Bruce. Hi, Bruce. How you going, Jane? Hi. Um, I was just listening to your comments on electricity prices. The government apparently is going to force these companies to bring the price down. Mm-hmm. Isn't this the same government that sold all our public assets? on the pretext of we're not here to run businesses and now they're going to tell businesses how to run businesses? Well, well I, don't, I don't think you quite got the whole story there. There was various governments sold the public assets, the electricity generation, starting with... Um, um, Jeff Kennett in Victoria who promised that yes there would be lower prices as a result of the sale of the electricity assets and yes that hasn't eventuated but I think the real issue is that if you compare, say, Iowa, it's a private market over there, but it's probably regulated. The companies are restricted to how much return on capital they're allowed to make. And if you look at Iowa, the return on capital of the energy companies over there is approximately half what it is here. So the problem you've really got is, without getting into the philosophical argument as to whether it should be private or public sector, is that they're not properly regulated. The regulation needs to have as the prime objective that energy be supplied at the lowest possible price while maintaining a stable supply. And that's not what we've got. So what, what appears to be the energy regulator fluffs around, basically achieves nothing, and the prices just keep going up. So, you know, they need to they need to start benchmarking it with other countries around the world. And we've gone from the lowest energy prices to the highest. And it's all due to the regulatory issues. It's failed regulatory issue. So, you know, if you want to do something, if you want to do something, ring up the Australian energy regulator and ask them why the prices are so much higher than the rest of the world. That's what you need to do. Sorry? sounds more like jobs for the boys rather than jobs to be done. Well, unless people start ringing up the Australian Energy Regulator and complaining, nothing will happen. <laughs> well, Bruce... Well, that sounds like a plan. Thank you, very much. Thank you very much for your call, Bruce. And looking, Stephen Pritchard, at um, how we can best prepare for next year, the new year, well, financially speaking. Well, the new year's coming up in uh, uh, a week next Tuesday. Yeah, next Tuesday. So Tuesday, how many days is that? Seven plus four? It's not it's 11 long. days. So New Year's 11 days. So what I'm thinking, it's a good time. You've got plenty of time over the Christmas break when you, you've had too much... <laughs> yeah, um, let's think about ...turkey it. or ham or plum pudding or prawns or something or other. Um, now's a good opportunity in the following days to have a look at your, your investment portfolio. Yep. The first thing you need to have a look is, you know, when, when you 
when you first started out, did you have an asset allocation, i.e. how much were we going to hold in cash, fixed interest, property and shares? So you need to have a look, go back and have a look at your goals, which we mentioned to you last year, so hopefully you wrote some out, and have a look at where you are this year because over time the actual investments will move across from this asset allocation and you need to think about reweighting them or changing them back to what your original goal was. And that's because some of them proliferate yeah, and some don't. Yeah, some of don't. them proliferate and some gateways. <laughs> and if you, if you have a look at the historical returns of the various sectors across the market um, and, you can, um, and you'll find that the returns are all over the place. So some years um, fixed interest will be do better. Uh, last year the equities were about break even but international equities did quite well because of a combination of the rising US ship market and the, the movement in the Australian currency. So um, you've probably got more in international equities than you planned, um, maybe less in Australian equities than you planned and depending on your property mix you could have done quite well there too. So you need to look at rebalancing it back to your original thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the next thing you need to look is, um, so we kind of use a top-down approach, look at the asset allocation across your asset classes, and then you look under, uh, under your small investments, uh, look at your the weighting of the original investments. Um, some of your investments are done quite well. Um, the share market's been all over the place. You know, if you're heavy in banks and Telstra, um, you've probably not done too well during the year, but there's a, there's some other stuff that's done quite well. So you need to look at um, your weightings, make sure you haven't got too much in individual stock. We always, as a rule of thumb, suggest no more than 5% in an individual investment. That way, if one goes wrong, you, you know, the whole portfolio is not blown out of the water. Um, and then there's been a number of spin-offs during the year. If, you, if you've got some small holdings that you've acquired or leftover things that, that, that you know, that you probably should get rid of or top up, have a look at the small holdings and see whether they need to be sold or or, or, or topped up. Is it sometimes, uh, isn't there sometimes a minimum amount you need to have before you can sell or no, trade? Or, okay. uh, it might be uneconomic. Mm, but okay. we, we can sell one share. We'll sell one share for okay. you. <laughs> and if you if you don't want to pay the brokerage, um, and if you've got small small um, holdings that are uneconomic to sell because the brokerage is going to be more than the proceeds, um, there's a couple of charities around who will take these small shares off you by okay. just filling in a share transform and fair enough. And and doing that. So there's ways of getting rid of small holdings. And most importantly, before you start looking about changing things, these things around, um, get your Excel spreadsheet out. Model what the tax implications are um, you might have some things that you've made a, a big profit on that you want to sell down is there anything you've made a loss on that you can sell down at the same time and realise the capital loss at the same time as you realise the capital gains here yeah. it's always best to know the outcome before you do things I think Yeah, I suppose so do a bit of advanced planning there <laughs> Excellent. And other than that uh, that wraps up your year sit and back enjoy and have the a day. glass of Apple juice. Apple juice. Grape juice. And in the meantime, a very happy Christmas to you, Stephen Pritchard. And, and to you, Jade, yours. and to all the listeners, and Barry, who's joined us today. And Barry Preston, yes, happy Christmas to you too. And we look forward to Thursday Finance again. After the Australian Long Weekend, isn't it? Yes. 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 Australia Day Long Weekend. After Australia Day, and it is a long weekend. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>